Let me tell you about our church. Our church philosophy uh, really prizes the exhortation Paul gives to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that talks about raising up young men uh, according to their gifts and their abilities to disciple them and to help them fulfill the call of God upon their lives. In fact, the scripture reads, the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, the gospel, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And so Pastor Nathan and I are uh, the older ones. Josh is in the middle, but then we're discipling Pastor Jim and Pastor Adam, and they're already uh, up to speed and discipling in turn others. There's probably a couple dozen young men who are all really being formed and shaped and mentored here at this fellowship. That's a very important part of who we are uh, at this church. And so let me tell you, I was thinking about somebody to fill in for me on Sunday, and uh, Carlin Fortkamp came to mind. Carlin is a young man, is very interesting. He's kind of shy and introverted, but he's a street preacher. So go figure, you know, how, how can you be a street preacher and be shy and introverted? Well, the Lord has picked the right vessel to do just that. Um, I've known Carlin for about four years since you started coming. Then a couple years ago, I had the privilege of marrying uh, Carlin and Jeanette. And the Fort Camps are very well known in the Christian community. Monty and Heidi are here, Grandma and are visiting, and Grandma of Carlin and Grandpa, uh, Floyd and Leela, uh, are also members of The Rock. And so there's a rich heritage here, but I just wanna tell you about him before he comes. Just, he's one of those guys who's just serving all the time. He's very humble. Uh, he was not looking for this opportunity, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> as his reaction when I asked him. But what sealed your, your, your fate, uh, for this opportunity was uh, letting us hear you at Summerfest. Uh, Barb and I got home and Barb said, that was amazing to hear Carlin. His tone, his warmth, he's personable. He was focused, it was anointed. And I said, sold. <laughs> that's it, done. The, that's the guy that I'm gonna ask. And so we worked together this week and he worked so hard and uh, uh, well, not we so much, me as a part of just yesterday, just spending some time together, uh, but the guys working all week long, and just uh, so blessed to have you. Carlin, come on, we'll receive you. All right, good morning. I want to start just by thanking Pastor Ross. Uh, He's just been such an awesome pastor to me, and this is just such a great opportunity. I'm so honored and so humbled just to be up here in front of you guys. I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity just to come and speak to you today. And uh, we're going to be studying from Hebrews chapter 1 today. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'll say a prayer and ask the Lord's blessing during this time. Lord God, we acknowledge that you are God and there is no other You've given us your God-breathed word because you love us. You want a relationship with us, Lord. We are blown away by that. Teach us through your Holy Spirit today, God, what you want each and every one of us to know. 
Give us your grace during this time. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like you were the only one you know at your work, uh, at home, uh, with your friends? You're the only one that was following Jesus? Has it ever made you discouraged? Ever wondered if you should even continue on? As we know, it's not easy today to be a follower of Jesus. It's hard. You know that story of uh, the woman from SSU who was asked to remove her cross necklace because it might have offended someone. It's tough. It's hard. Maybe this doesn't describe you uh, recently, but maybe you've seen the gospel as just too narrow. Jesus says he's the only way. Maybe you've considered taking a step back to a more inclusive gospel. Well, if you're discouraged here this morning, or if you can identify with this, and I think every Christian can, you are not alone. We're going to look today at some Hebrew Christians who are going through the exact same thing. So let's turn to our text, Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We're going to stop there. We're going to focus on three points that I think in this scripture, the Holy Spirit is directing us towards for encouragement. Number one, don't go back. You have God's promises. Number two, don't go back. You have God himself in the flesh. Then lastly, don't go back. You have his purification of your sins. Now, I think it's helpful to know a little bit more about Hebrews and the book, when it was written, now scholars believe it was somewhere between 67 and 69 AD. And this is when the Jewish temple had not been destroyed. It gets destroyed in 70 AD. So sacrifices are still going on. Judaism is, is, is just continuing on. And this book is being written to Hebrew Christians. Hebrew is another name for Jews. It's Jewish Christians. See, all this time the pressure had been building. See, Jesus had come. And, and some of these Jews were being raised in Judaism their entire life. Uh, the traditions, the ceremony, it wasn't just part of their life a couple days a week. It was their entire life. It was who they knew. It was their friends, their family, their job. Everything was included in this, and they were raised in it. And some of them, some of them were meeting Jesus. And it was being revealed to them, like we're seeing in Acts. They're realizing that, All of this stuff they grew up with was just a shadow of things to come, which are now fulfilled in the light of Jesus. And so they start walking this new life. There's this this joy, this understanding. And then comes persecution. Then family, friends, religious leaders. Then comes the hard times. Where were you? Where were you? I didn't see you in the temple. Did you offer your sacrifices? No. No, I believe Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. I've accepted him and his sacrifice on my behalf. You can imagine how these conversations went. Maybe you have even had some of these conversations in your life. Now, the temptation here was was these believers were going, wow, 
feels like I'm the only one. Maybe I was wrong. You know, this is really, this is really hard. Maybe I should just go back. Maybe I should take a step backwards. And you're going to see here in our text that the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go back, go on. And so we're going to take a look at that. Let's look at point number one. Don't go back. You have the promises of God. Verse one starts off and says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers at many times and in various ways. You see, they had grown up memorizing scripture. They knew God They knew God's word, right? They were familiar. They they weren't doubting if God existed or if he spoke to them. And so right here, the Holy Spirit is addressing them right where they're at. Starts off with something they're familiar with. They believe in scripture. And Hebrews 1 opens beautifully, very similar to Genesis 1, the first book of the Bible, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And so you have the power of God's word creating universe. The heavens were created by his word. The earth was created by his word. Everything, life came from his word, his powerful, powerful word. And Hebrews is reminding us God didn't stop there. See, he spoke his powerful word into his creation. He gave it to us through the prophets many times, many ways, because he wants us to come to him. Now, as these Jewish Christians were raised, they had heroes. See, they looked at Old Testament scripture. It's what they had. It's who they were. They aspired to be famous people in the Bible. Moses. Well, I'm going to be Moses when I grow up, right? Daniel. Man, imagine if God used me like that. Wouldn't that be incredible? And see, when they accepted Jesus, it was almost like the opposite happened. It was like, now when, man, if they could imagine, if they were Moses, man, think of how, how honored their parents would be. Think of how their friends would just go, wow, God is using you. Man, and the exact opposite was happening. Their friends were going, what are you doing? Jesus, you're following him? And, and they're being outcasted by the very people who, when they grew up, the very people who they, they admired, who they wanted to be accepted by. And so now they're starting to doubt themselves. So the Holy, the Holy Spirit is now moving us, moving us. And this will transition us off to point number two. Look, you have God's promises. Now you have his son. See, it says here in the text, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. See, the point of all the prophets, the point of scripture was to point us to Jesus who was coming, the Messiah. See, Jesus, when he was here on earth, even said he, he said, he said, look, you guys are looking to the words. You're diligently studying the scriptures, thinking that in them you have life. But those scriptures speak of me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. The entire point of, of scripture in the Old Testament, which is God's word, the entire point of it is to point us straight to Jesus, the author and giver of life, so that we may have new life with him. That's where life comes from. And see, what the Holy Spirit's trying to remind him here is, look, guys, it's not like you're abandoning your religion. Well, you're turning your back on him. This is for you. This is your Messiah that was prophesied about. Your heroes in scripture, they spoke of Jesus. They spoke of the one to come. And in the New Testament, we see how how it's related, how even the stories in the Bible are all pointing to Christ. Look at Uh, uh, Moses, Moses, God raised up a humble, ordinary man, Moses, 
And, and he allows him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. God does a miracle and parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land, make it to the other side. The Bible says, hey, that's a picture of Christian baptism, leaving the slavery, leaving the old life behind, passing through the waters, trusting in God, coming to the other side of new life in faith. You see, it's been there all along. And the Holy Spirit's saying, keep going, keep going, you've got it. This isn't the wrong guy. See, also, Moses, there's a story where uh, uh, there was snakes, there was venomous snakes that were uh, uh, biting the children of Israel when they're in the desert, okay? And God provided a way out. He said, you're gonna make a bronze snake, you're gonna hang it on a pole, you're gonna look to it when you're bitten, and I will save you. Because of that obedience, I will save you. And Jesus said, just like Moses lifted up that serpent on the pole in the desert, that's gonna be me. Whoever looks to me now will be saved forever, permanently. And so this is a Jewish thing. And you know what else? There's a prophecy going on here. See, not only do these heroes have these stories, which, which miraculously, every single one points straight to Jesus, but they also prophesied, they predicted the future. There are over 300 prophecies that are given hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus is even born in the flesh, and he fulfills them. To name a few, it was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin in Isaiah. It was prophesied he would be born in Bethlehem. Prophesied that the Messiah would be of the tribe of Judah, that he would speak in parables. He wouldn't raise his voice in the streets, but he'd speak in parables. It was prophesied that he would be betrayed, that he'd be crucified with criminals, that no bones in his body would be broken, and it was prophesied that he would raise from the dead. This is Jesus. All these prophecies were given for one reason, so that when Jesus came, we would know that's him. That's him. Guys, we have him now. The Holy Spirit's saying, you've got the right guy. Keep going. And this applies to us even today. We have God's promises and we have Jesus. So who, just who is Jesus? Who is this man that everyone speaks of? Is he just a man? Is he just a prophet? We're going to look at that. Jesus isn't just the last of a long line of prophets that came to bring us another message from God. That's not Jesus. As David Guzik says, Jesus didn't come to bring us the final message from God the Father. Jesus is the final message from God the Father. You see, Jesus was not just a man. He was all man and he was all God. And when he came, different than prophets, who God at, at different times in their life would use them and move upon them through his spirit and they would do some miraculous thing or they would speak his words. They were still ordinary men, but Jesus was God in the flesh. And so everything, everything he did, everything he said, everything was our message from God. He said, here it is, here it is, all summed up, the grand finale, my son, Jesus. So do you wanna know today Going through your trial, do you want to know if God cares about you? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know if he loves you? Look at Jesus. You want to know if he's forgotten about you? You want to know if he's compassionate? Look at Jesus, who remembered us, who came for us. Look to Jesus. It says in scripture in the New Testament so many times, Jesus' heart, he would see someone and his heart would fill with, fill with compassion towards someone. That's God. That's how God feels about us. He sees you in your time of need. He sees you when you're going through these trials. He sees us. He sees us. 
It's important to note here that it says, in these last days, he speaks to us through his son. See, this is the final message from God the Father. This is all we need. This is all we need to know and believe is Jesus. So what does the scripture say? Let's look here back in our text. Let's look here at how it describes Jesus. It says, he is the appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So the universe was made by Jesus and Jesus is the heir. See, John 1, the gospel of John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. By him, all things were made. And it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus, God, the creator, who in Genesis spoke the earth into being by his powerful word. is now in a human body here on earth for us. He is the creator God. And it says he's the heir of all things. Well, now, obviously, you would think that if someone created something, it would belong to them, right? Common sense would tell you someone creates something, it's theirs. What's being emphasized here, though, is that, see, we, with our free will, sold ourselves out, and Jesus had come to bring us back. Luke 19.10, Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. He wants us back. He inherited us back. If we accept him, if we believe in him, if we call on his name, he inherits us back to himself. And more importantly, we inherit him in his kingdom. This is eternal life, knowing the one true God and knowing Jesus Christ whom he sent. That is our inheritance now. Wow, let's move on and look more specifically at just Jesus' glory, okay? We know he's the creator, he's the heir, he's powerful. It says in your text, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the radiance. That word in the Greek, because New Testament was written in Greek, so the actual word for radiance is the Greek word apogasma. And that means brightness coming from a light source. And the best way to describe this is by looking up in the sky at the sun, the S-U-N sun, and looking at the brightness coming out of it, coming forth from it. It's powerful. It's bright. If you look at it too long, it causes temporary blindness. Now, the sun, like the earth, has an atmosphere. It is made up of an atmosphere. So on earth, we have land, which we live on. We say, yeah, this is earth. But we also have air, and we have clouds. We have sky. That's all part of the earth. It spins with the earth in the universe. Now, the sun also has an atmosphere. It's on fire. It's on fire. In fact, we can't even see through the atmosphere to what's behind that. We can only see to the third layer of the sun's atmosphere, the photosphere. Because it's so bright and so dense, scientists consider that the surface simply because they can't see past that. They don't know what's going on inside of there, but we all can know by looking at the sun in the sky, we all can see its power, its radiance. In fact, those light beams travel through space to Earth, to us, they light our day, they warm us, and they give us food to eat. We know the sun's power, right? Now in John 1.18, it says, no one's ever seen God the Father, but God the Son, the one and only who is at the Father's right hand, he's made him known to us. That's why Jesus can say, when they said, reveal the Father to us, show us the Father. Philip said this in John. And he said, Philip, have I been with you this long and you don't even know me? Philip need to be reminded too who Jesus is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. 
In our text, the writer goes on to, to dive deeper as if that's not enough and says, and he's the exact representation of his being. The Greek word, the Greek phrase for exact representation means the perfect copy, the exact same, nothing different. Hold them both together and you go, yeah, those are the same. And of his being, the word for being in the Greek, character, which means in English, character, where we get character from. Now we're being described what's inside Jesus. Everything that is inside God the Father that makes him God, his power, his might, his faithfulness, his love, his truth, his justice, everything. Everything that is inside God the Father is equally inside Jesus, God the Son. Jesus is God. Now imagine all of that, take all of that now that you know about Jesus, that we're reminded about Jesus, pour it into a human body, the author of life coming down to us. It's incredible. We're being reminded of this. The, the Holy Spirit saying, guys, you want to leave this? For what? You want to go back to the law, to the traditions and the ceremonies? There's no life there. You have to come to the author of life. You have to come to God himself who came down for you. The verse continues in your text and says, he's sustaining all things by his powerful word. So we know that Jesus is God in the flesh. But we know that he's sustaining all things. Notice that the word is sustaining, not straining. It's not hard for him to do his job because he's God, right? It's, it's easy. It's what he does. That's who he is. Isaiah says that God doesn't grow weak or weary. He's not like us. He's the only one that can sustain the universe and keep it going. And we've seen his powerful word in action here on earth because Jesus, the creator of the worth by whom all things were made, he came to earth and he spoke to us. What did his powerful word do? Healed the blind. It healed the sick. It raised the dead back to life. It calmed the storms. Storms answer to the word of God. Cast out demons and he forgave sins all by his powerful, powerful word. You can see the Holy Spirit just speaking into this church saying, look, you have the right guy. Look at the scriptures. They're pointing you. If you could line up all the prophets, they would all be doing this. Go that way. <laughs> Go to Jesus. Don't come to me, right? Don't make me your hero. Make the hero of heroes your hero. Follow him, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, right? So now, first two things, as we are going through tough times, as we're considering, should we go on? Should we just go back to the works of the law? We know that we have God's promises. We know that we have God himself that came for us in the flesh. And now we are gonna move to our third point. Don't give up because he has purified your sins. Let's look at the text here. It says, after he had provided purification for sins. This is what God came to do for us. Purification for sins. One, we need to know this. It's not for his sins. Jesus is God. 2 Corinthians 5.12 says, he knew no sin. God knows no sin. It's not who he is. It's not what he does. But he became sin for us. He took our sins on himself. He went and he purified them. How? He died on the cross for our sins. And that word purify means purge out do away with, final action, done. In Jesus' last words on the cross, it is finished, paid in full. Because of his promises, because he's God, and because of what he's done for us, that's why in John eight thirty six 
He can say, if the Son of God sets you free, then you will be free indeed. And you want to walk away from that? You want to try to go and do it yourself? Let's look at that system. That system was to point you to me. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, now, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. And Cain found this out in Genesis. See, Abel and Cain brought an offering before the Lord. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and offered it before the Lord and said, God, accept this on my behalf. Accept this for my sins. I want to be right with you. He said, God was pleased with Abel's offering. But Cain came and he offered what he wanted to offer. He didn't like blood, apparently. He didn't think his sins were that bad. He didn't need a savior. He came, he offered it, and it was rejected. It was not where God wanted. And God talked to Cain and said, Cain, why are you downcast? If you bring the right sacrifice, won't I accept you? Just like your brother, Cain wanted to do it his way. He didn't need a savior. He was more comfortable doing it his way. It was easier for him. It was really, really inconvenient. You have to go and try to find an animal for a sacrifice in his mind. This is important to know. What the Holy Spirit is addressing here is that it is impossible, Hebrews 10, 4, it is impossible for the blood of animals to take away human sin. That's impossible. That was never how it was supposed to end. That was a symbol. So that as they're doing this and they're realizing, okay, I, I've messed up. Man, I, I'm not right with God. I need a savior. And they're confessing their sins and they're offering the sacrifice. While they were doing that, they would recognize the real sacrifice, the final message from God, Jesus. It was never meant that the blood of animals would take away our sins. See, and they were thinking, no, but this is what we understand. This is what we know. This is easier for us, okay? And I mean, that's just incredible. The Holy Spirit has got to be sitting there going, you guys are out of your mind. You're out of your mind. There is no work. There is nothing that we can do to try to cleanse ourselves. There's only one way, John 14, 6, Jesus, Jesus, the truth, the life, what God's done for us. And where is Jesus right now? Where is he? Look at our text here. It says, he is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That's where Jesus is. The Jesus that you have asked into your heart to cleanse your sins by his payment, by his authority, by his powerful word. He has worked a miracle. He has cleansed you. And now he's seated on the throne in heaven. Not because he's tired from his time here on earth, okay? He's God. He doesn't grow weak or weary. He's sitting up there because it's done. The payment has been accepted on our behalf. Guys, our sins are paid for. They're purified. They're cleansed through Jesus. Through Jesus, we have the right guy, God himself. That is who we're following through these trials. When the world says we're crazy, all right? Sometimes we need that encouragement, just like these Jewish believers needed here. Look, you have the right guy. You have Jesus. Don't go back because there is no life there. Go to the author of life, Jesus. Something that I find really, really interesting is that while this was being read by these Jewish Christians, outside their door, out the temple in their town, was offering these sacrifices. The very real thing. Now, in the temple, there is no chairs. There's no seats for the priests because their work is never done. It is impossible for the blood of animals, for, for any work we could do, it's impossible to remove our sins. It was never the plan. It was a giant arrow pointing to Christ. So he's reminding them, look, 
Not only is there no life behind you, there is life in the direction you're going. There is a sustaining God who can hold the universe together. And you better believe he can hold you together and carry your burdens with him. It's not hard for him. He's God. Colossians 2, 8, we get, we get another encouragement from scripture. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deception that are based on the traditions of men or just the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Rather than according to Christ. In conclusion, this is what I think that this scripture is speaking to us today and to these believers who are struggling with this. One, don't forget, don't give up. God encourages you through his powerful word and we can trust him because he's God. He's faithful and true. The one who is sustaining the universe every day, the sun comes up for thousands of years because God who created it continues to give it life, continues to hold it in balance. It's not hard for him. He's able to sustain us too. In John 6, Jesus was speaking and he gave a hard teaching. And many, many people said, you know, this is too hard. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm going back. I'm going back to the shadows. And he turned around to his disciples and he said, so are you going to leave me too? You want to go away? You want to you leave? And Peter addresses him and just goes, Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. That is the message being portrayed here in Hebrews to us. And our first reaction when things get tough is to run back, run away from life, from God who can sustain us, who's given us promises, and who will be faithful to bring them about. Keep walking with Jesus. Be sure in your faith, he is God. He is the one who was prophesied about. You've got the right guy. It's God himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so amazed at what you have done on our behalf. Lord, you've given us promises. You've inherited us. You want us back with you. You've done everything you can to bring us back. Surely, Lord, you are able to sustain us. Remind us of that, Lord. Encourage us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the closing song. First of all, Brother Carlin, man, wonderful job. Thank you so much. I'll tell you what. Simple, clear, concise, powerful. I was very moved <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. I was convicted. That's a teaching I want to listen to again. Thank you. If you're not a believer yet and somehow you ended up here for whatever reason God saw fit to guide your footsteps here and you're, you're open, you're seeking and all of that, I'm going to tell you that you will, I don't believe, ever again hear such a clear, powerful, easy to understand message about what the gospel is all about. This is your opportunity because you get it. And if you get it and you're not committed yet, now is your time to say, I get this. 
Jesus, one word he opened with, repent. And it just, metanoeo in the Greek, it just means turn around. And this way, turn around from behind and face him and face life. Just have a change of heart. He makes it so easy, doesn't he? So I'm just going to let you know how easy it is. It's, it's a prayer. We call it the sinner's prayers. Father God, in your own way, I'm a sinner. I, I believe this. I want to walk with you. I want that life. Please forgive me. I open my heart. If that's your situation, please don't leave this place without doing that uh, in the privacy of your own heart. And we always have people at the cross to assist you in that prayer. But secondly, just for the believers here, you know, a song was going through my mind first service while he was talking. And you may laugh because it's an oldie. It was uh, high school days. Now it's an oldie. Wow. How did that happen? Well, it did. Um, 50 ways to leave your lover. You know what I was thinking? You know, some of the lyrics slip out the back, Jack, or whatever. That's all. Make new plans, Stan. I can't believe it's all coming back. (laughs) Don't need to be coy, Roy. Oh, my word. How these things can slip in there. And I was thinking as believers, you know, well, you don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm an atheist. I'm out of here. You know, that is one way to do it. Uh, There are 50 other ways that we let our love for Christ grow dim, or we slip away from the gospel truths, or we slip away from one another. We start to fault finding and get bitter, and then we hold grudges, and there's so many ways to wander. And so for me, I was on the edge of my seat just Letting the Lord point those areas out in my own heart to say, just watch this, change your mind, consecrate yourself to me and say, I'm making it so easy for you. Just confess your sins. I'm faithful. I hear that. Turn from them and I'll reinstate you like that. Never overcomplicate matters spiritually. Never do that. It's very simple. Turn to him. How hard is this? Look to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. Ooh, that was hard. <laughs> he wants us. Carlin, that's what you were saying. He, this is a God that loves us. He's done everything to prove that. We can never doubt his great love for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just what a wonderful time to just hear your simple word. <laughs> Unadulterated, just, just so beautiful and powerful and compelling. We, we hear the spirit behind the words calling and drawing and wooing just that beautiful still small voice that says i love you walk with me it's worth it i'm with you you're gonna make it i'm blessing you keep walking with me so father we pray that by your grace we'd be able to do that we say yes lord in response we say yes have your way make us clean help us to live each day for you we pray in christ's name Amen. Amen. Don't forget prayer at the cross. Don't forget Wednesday night. We're in the last chapters of 2 Samuel or next Sunday morning. God bless you.